Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Tooth and Claw. Today, Wes has us talking about one of the most beautiful and beloved animals to exist, the orca. This episode's story is filled to the brim with tragedy. Of course, for the humans involved, but also for the killer whale himself. We'll get to the story in just a second, but uh, first we wanted to shout out a special thanks to all of the new members of our Patreon who are helping us keep the lights on around here. So to Stephanie, Hillary, Farwa, Liddy, Clementine, and Hannah, thank you. We will forever appreciate your support. If you want access to some really cool perks and merchandise, you can hit up our Patreon and join. You'll get early access to our episodes and get to hear our special mini-episodes hosted by Jeff and myself that we'll be putting out every other week as is planned for now. And help us grow into an actual legitimate podcast with new tech and stuff. Pretty much every cent you send our way for now goes back into making the podcast better and better. You can find where to join at www.patreon.com slash toothandclawpodcast. And if you can't support, don't worry, since our main episodes are still going to be released everywhere for free. Thank you again. All right, let's get to Wes talking about orcas. Okay, uh, we are here, and we are going to do an episode on orcas. Oh, wow. You guys excited? Yeah. yeah. They're a big animal. You know, they're an, it's an animal that a lot of people have requested, uh, so I'm excited to finally get to them. Uh, I think I've kind of been holding off just because they're like the alpha predator out there. So our cage match, we'll just forever know who's number one now. I thought we were going to do like a sports podcast because of the Super Bowl. Uh, no, we're not. <laughs> but uh, I'm sure you'd like to. Jeff's a big sports fan. I, I have some thoughts real quick on it. Okay. Uh, Let's hear him. I think Tom Brady is the third best athlete I've ever seen. Okay. I'd put Usain Bolt number one, mm-hmm. Michael Phelps number two, and Michael Jordan number four. Huh. But if I'd you put count, Serena Williams above all those people, probably. If you, okay. That's I don't, just me. Okay. Yeah. If you count Space Jam uh-huh. with Michael Jordan, yeah. I'd put him ahead of Tom Brady. Where are you putting Bugs, where where are you putting Bugs Bunny, though? aliens who are going to take over. Yeah. Well, Bugs didn't do that well. He didn't play his best game. <laughs> Bugs didn't do that well. But, like, <laughs> Bugs that was... wasn't an official game. So, like, who's to say Tom Brady hasn't played football against aliens? Yeah, that's true. Like, someone just recorded Michael when he yeah. did. Have you ever seen those videos of him kissing his son on the lips? Yeah, that yeah. knocks him down to like a hundredth place in my mind. <laughs> They're not just like little pecks. I need he to, kisses him on the lips for like four seconds. I need to correct you about the Bugs Bunny game because he was the key to victory in the whole thing because he was the one that distributed MJ's secret stuff to the rest of the team members. Yeah, plus he went and captured okay, so Bill Murray like right when they need him. Well, Tom Brady isn't the best athlete. He's just a uh, he's a obviously great leader. a great athlete, amazing football player, but I think his true skill is his leadership. And Bugs think, is the leader of the Toon Squad. Well, I'm saying he's the, he's the third most dominant athlete I've ever seen in my life. Serena Williams won, like what, like 32 Grand Slams? Yeah. Anyway, for those of you who aren't here for sports, <laughs> we are going to be talking about orcas today. One other thing I wanted to bring up, since this is like unofficially a Lord of the Rings podcast as well, I have been reading The Silmarillion as I talked about in our old episode. I am just absolutely loving it, trying real hard to get Mike and Jeff to read it too, because it's just so great. Yeah, um, I need to. There, yeah. There's a lot of elves out there I don't know about. There's a lot of elves. It's, it's really elf heavy. Okay, let's get into orcas. Um, So those of you who know a lot about orcas probably know that they've never killed anyone in the wild. And they really haven't ever even attacked anyone in the wild. There's a surfer who was bit, I want to say the early 2000s, by an orca, but that's like the only time they've ever even bit anyone in the wild. 
So there aren't any stories out there of wild orca attacks. On the other hand, there are quite a few stories of captive orcas attacking their trainers. So we're going to talk about the most famous of those whales, or of orcas, uh, and his name is Tilikum. A quick thing that I just corrected myself on, these animals are technically dolphins. Orcas are part of the dolphin family. They're the biggest dolphin member. They're not whales, but their their common name has become killer whales, so a lot of people call them killer whales. Even orca biologists call them killer whales, and sometimes they even call them whales. It's just become like a collo- colloquial. <laughs> I the hardest time saying yeah, that word. That's a good word, yeah. Uh, it's become a common way of referring to them. So I might even say whales a couple times during this episode. But just remember, they are dolphins. They're not whales. They're the biggest member of the dolphin family. I'm learning stuff already. Both yeah, whales both whales and dolphins are marine mammals, but they're not the same. Um, so they're not a type of whale. They're not a type of whale. They're a type of dolphin. The killer whale capture industry really started in the late 60s. It ramped up in the, in the 70s and 80s. Uh, young orcas were taken from their family pods. The pods would sometimes follow the boats where they captured them for like days. Yeah, super sad. Yeah, and they're like emitting distress signals and morning calls and all this really sad stuff. Sometimes orcas that were caught in these capture nets that weren't kept were weighed down with anchors and sunk to the bottom of the ocean. Killer whales in captivity are placed with other individuals from all over the world, but pretty haphazardly. And so different orca communities around the world are very different. They're a really amazing animal and each community has its own social structure. So when you put like whales from all over the ocean in the same pen, it's kind of like combining inmates from all over the world in the same cell. And it just doesn't end up well. Um, Except in Paddington. Except in Paddington. Paddington really brings everyone together. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so in 1983, a two-year-old orca was captured near Reykjavik, Iceland. Uh, they named him Tilikum. Oh, they, the people named him. The people it that caught him. wasn't just the orcas. No, he, that wasn't. They weren't, like, <laughs> asking him. And he spent about a year in a holding take in Iceland, and then he was transferred to Sealand of the Pacific in Victoria, British Columbia, where he lived along with two large female orcas, Haida II and Nootka IV. And it's really a terrible place to be a captive orca. Uh, he was bullied by the larger females. He was kept in a medical tank to avoid injury. The main tank wasn't very big, and the only thing that separated it from the harbor was like a net. So they had constantly like this harbor water that had gasoline and fuel and everything like going into their enclosure. And then they could also hear all these ocean sounds and all these boat noises all the time. And so it was a really disruptive, terrible place to be an orca. And their tanks were pretty small. And then also the owner was worried that people would come in at night and cut the net separating them from the harbor. So at night they would put them in this medical tank that was like metal sided and it was just, it was like 25 feet in diameter. So all three of them were crammed into this thing for 14 hours every day at night. And they would like bite each other and get really angry with each other. So it was a really, really terrible facility for an orca. And the trainers also didn't do a lot to add variance to their activities. And they're such an intelligent animal that they need constant intellectual stimulation. And they would really just do the same activities over and over and over again with them. And they were warned by orca specialists that if they didn't think of new ways to entertain the orcas, the orcas would come up with ways to entertain themselves. And unfortunately, that happened in early 1991 in Sealand of the Pacific. So on February 20th, 1991, Kelty Byrne, a 21-year-old marine biology student, a competitive swimmer, she was working part-time trainer at Sealand, and she was tidying up the area around the orca pool when she slipped and fell halfway into the pool with Tilikum, Haida II, and Nootka IV. The three orcas were thrilled to have a new toy. 
and Tilikum kind of led this charge, and he pulled her underwater, uh, dragged her around the pool, and prevented her from surfacing. At one point, she finally reached the side and tried to climb out, but the orcas pulled her back into the pool. Uh, and the trainers were trying to throw her a life ring, but the orcas kept her away from it. They're ignoring all these trainers' like calls and commands. And she surfaced briefly twice, screaming, I don't want to die, and then was dragged down again. And she finally surfaced a third time about ten minutes later. Oh, but she man. was dead at that point. So Tilikum didn't care that she said she didn't want to die. Tilikum did not listen. Nope. He was too busy playing with what so was what, is, what to him a new toy. Yeah. But why is it a new toy where like hadn't they swam they, with him? No, so at this park they never got into the water with the uh. orcas. And it's because they treated them so poorly that they couldn't. Like the second they got on the water they were attacked by him. Mm. And this isn't like necessarily Tilikum's an attack. probably just like showing her like look at my house. Yeah, that's Look at what. My house. I got around the different <laughs> Look walls. at this corner down here. Yeah, that's the thing is, it wasn't necessarily like a vicious attack. It's more that at this point, when you keep a killer whale in captivity like that, they become essentially psychotic. They're a mentally deranged animal at that point. That's kind of being a little too anthropomorphic, but it's you're breaking them down mentally. And anything that comes in the water, they might just think, okay, this is a toy. I'm going to play with it the same way I'd play with any other toy. Whereas a really well-trained like killer whale and a much better facility is going to have a better idea of what's a toy and what's not. Right. Okay. So it was several hours before they could recover her body from the pool. The orcas had stripped off all of her clothes and she was covered in bruises and cuts. So Sealand of the Pacific ended up shutting their doors and they sold off all their orcas. And Tilikum was sold to SeaWorld Orlando in, in, Feb- no, sorry, in January of 1992. The owners and trainers were a little bit confused at Sealand how their beloved orcas how their beloved orcas could kill one of their staff but this guy Paul Sponge who's the sponge spong <laughs> it's Paul Spong I think it, it's one of the two uh he was director of Orca Lab in British Columbia which studies orcas in the wild and he wasn't so confused he said if you pen killer whales in a small steel tank you're imposing extreme level of sensory deprivation on them Humans who are subjected to those same conditions become mentally disturbed. So wait, th- this whale it has killed somebody before. Isn't standard See, fare with animals that do that kind of thing just to you know, put them down? Not or? so much in captivity because they could kind of look at the circumstances and say like, okay, they never interacted with this whale enough. They kept it in this tiny pen. There's all these things that sea land of the Pacific was doing wrong. And so we're going to take this whale and give it a better life. SeaWorld was like, so this killer whale in Sealand just killed somebody. And then someone else is like, I have an idea for a new show here at SeaWorld. Let's get that whale over here. It's like snuff film. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, Uh, (laughs) I wouldn't watch that. To your question, Mike, like, for example, the Hogo Zoo here in Utah, they have some bears that killed a person in the wild and ate this guy. And they were cubs when they did it, and they put them in the zoo. And so really, if you can have the right conditions and everything, you can have one of these animals. But I agree with you. It's maybe not an animal that you want people, like, interacting with and everything. So This is kind of like the reverse of what's normal. Normally, it's like if an animal in the wild kills someone, they can put them in it to Captivity. captivity. But yeah. This animal killed someone because it was in captivity. Right, exactly. And so there's, I mean, there's a lot of ethics involved here. And really the problem is this is like a billion dollar industry and these animals are worth millions. And it, he was a really big bull and he had already like sired some calves with these two females that he was with. That so he was bullying him? Yeah. So, so he really was really valuable. On him. Yeah, exactly. Nice. <laughs> okay. So a little bit about orcas before we continue with Tilikum's story. 
As I mentioned, they don't attack people in the wild. No human has ever been killed by a wild orca that we know of. Um, they live throughout the world's ocean, and they travel in family groups called pods. Uh, orcas and pods remain with their family their entire lives. So they like truly remain by their mother's side their entire lives. Males will leave their pod to go mate with females from other pods, but then they come back and stay with their family pods. They communicate using a complicated number of clicks, whistles, and pulses, and those are specific to each community. So each community essentially has its own language. Whoa, that's cool. Which is amazing. Yeah. Uh, and because they do communicate at such a high level, and because each community will teach like novel behaviors to their offspring, they're considered an example of animal uh, culture, which essentially culture just means you're teaching novel behaviors to your offspring. It's not something that's genetically passed down. It's something that's being taught. How advanced would you say their language is compared to, say, you know, another intelligent, you know, I, maybe language is the wrong word to use. Yeah, but. language is a tricky word to use with yeah. communication is probably the right yeah, word. communication. So compared to, say, I know dolphins are the same family. Yeah. Um, they're they have a pretty robust vocabulary, if you could call it that. But yeah. Our work is pretty advanced on that spectrum. I think as far as like the number of clicks and whistles and everything they use, it's pretty similar to dolphins and then like some whales and stuff. I think the thing that separates orcas, I'm not sure if this is true with dolphins or not, is that it is different between communities. Like that's the really oh. amazing part. It's just, yeah, that's something that just really doesn't happen that much. And they do teach, again, novel behaviors to their offspring. So like you guys have probably seen those videos of the killer whales that will come up and like beach themselves to get sea lions or maybe seals in Argentina, those whales will actually like push their calves up on the, on the sand to get them used to that behavior. Killer whales don't do that anywhere else in the world. Uh, and again, I'm saying whales and we all know they're orcas and dolphins, but just bear with me. So some biologists even feel that they have a higher capacity for emotions than humans. They have a whole part of their brain that we don't have that's just dedicated to emotions. Yeah, I was thinking... If I was a little kid and I got kidnapped by someone, I don't think you would follow him for two straight days. No. No, I'd give up after like 20 minutes probably. Yeah. Um, another thing that's really interesting is each <laughs> each pod of killer whales will kind of specialize in a type of food. And there's like resident killer whales and there's transient killer whales. So the resident ones typically stay in one area their entire lives. Transient are much more migratory. Uh, the resident ones typically specialize, specialize in some kind of fish, whereas the transient ones are typically looking for marine mammals like seals, sea lions, walrus, whales, whatever. They eat everything out there. They eat sharks. They eat sea turtles. They're really, they can eat everything, but they are really picky and they tend to specialize in their pods. They can't eat like a great white, can they? They can. Really? Yeah. And they typically, when they kill great whites, they like go for their liver, I guess. And that like deep, de um, Decapitate. Not decapitate. What's the other word? <laughs> Why can't I think of the word? Where you like stop something from being like mobile or dangerous yeah, or whatever. Incapacitate. Incapacitate. <laughs> Thank you. They incapacitate the shark. So like the only sea animal they can't take out is like a blue whale. They or sometimes something? kill blue whales. Seriously? Yeah. They Whoa. they are the ultimate predator. They don't blue whales they, are like the size they of tend Texas. to not attack adult blue whales, but they that's, they're not slight <laughs> But they um but they could. And they and there's records of them attacking blue whales. Yeah. So you so just, they just like the ultimate 
anything in the ocean. They have no. They have. They have no predator, and essentially everything is prey to them. That's what crazy. about the predator? You think the predator? The could predator take could probably orca? kill an orca. Yeah. Okay, so it's With got like one missles and stuff. Dude, well, and humans himself, too. Though. True. Humans, himself, humans, and aliens, I guess, are potential predators <laughs> for orcas. Okay. So they do use incredible strategy when they're hunting. I think you guys may have seen the videos where they like use waves to knock seals off of ice flows. Yeah. Um, they'll throw seals way up in the air to I disable so them. High. Yeah, like <laughs> hundreds of feet, it seems like. It's it looks probably fun. not that high. It's probably like 50 feet. Yeah. But the reason they're doing that is because seals and all these other marine mammals will really bite them when they attack them. Oh. And doing that just completely like disables the animal. It incapacitates Incapac- the seal. Yeah. I thought I thought the orcas were just letting them have one last moment of fun before getting munched. <laughs> it looks pretty cool there. It flip does, around and-, and I'm sure it's fun for the orca too. <laughs> They'll also slap fish with their their tails to stun them, and then they can just easily like pick off a bunch of fish. So they're really good wow. hunters. That's like a Pokemon move. Yeah, uh, yeah. Tail whip. <laughs> yeah, tail whip. Yeah, I really sure. need to stop like immediately agreeing with you guys when you say something stupid. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. That's half of it's our fault. Uh, so males average about 10,000 pounds. The largest ones get up to like 22,000 pounds. Females average about 6,000 pounds. They can grow to be up to 32 feet long. That's the record, but averages more like 20, 22 feet. Um, they have 48 sharp teeth that fit right into each other. Uh, and, and like I mentioned, they're the alpha predator. Like there's nothing on this planet aside from humans that they see as a threat by fit right into each other. Is it kind of like the bear trap? Yeah. Like the top teeth fit into the bottom teeth. I like that. Yeah. Okay. So back to the story of Tillicum. So Tillicum arrives in SeaWorld and he's grown into a large bull. Uh, Senior staff debated the idea of getting him to do what they called water work, which is where trainers enter the water with him and do tricks with him. The head trainers believed that this attack at Sealand happened because the trainers had never entered the water there. So when someone finally fell in, it was this like really new novel thing and it was a new toy. And so they thought they could maybe desensitize them to that. But the risk just seemed too great to desensitize a whale that had already killed someone. So they decided to hold off on water work. Instead, they would have him do these things where they'd have him like jump way up in the air and splash the audience and do those kind of really crazy big tricks. And he was their biggest killer whale. So it was like a really cool thing for people that went and visited SeaWorld. I went and we sat in the splash zone. Yeah, we probably saw a Tillicum. Yeah? Yeah. Because we it, we cool. went in the 90s when he was there. I mean, we probably saw him do some tricks. We got tricks. splashed by Tillicum. Probably. Yeah. Anyway, another reason they were really hesitant to do this wasn't just because Tillicum had killed someone, but there was actually like almost 100 reported incidents of trainers being injured by, by uh, uh, orcas at this point. And a lot of, you know, the, this incident at Sealand was the first reported death, but a lot of trainers had bones that were broken, internal organs ruptured, they'd practically been drowned. Uh, it was considered kind of the price of doing business with killer whales. But there's this long list of, of problems. Is that just because they'd get accidentally battered by the whale swimming around in the same tank? Or uh, is it more? No, it was like more playful... like the, the orca would suddenly decide, I'm going to like smush this guy and jump up in the air and land on him. Huh. It wasn't accidental okay. by the orca. It was more, a lot of times it was trainer error where the trainer would do something like there's one on the Blackfish documentary, which again, sorry, I don't think I mentioned this. A lot of this information comes from this documentary, Blackfish, that CNN did, and it's on Netflix, that's about SeaWorld and Tillicum. Uh, I also got a lot of this information from an, a magazine article, an outside magazine, written by Tim Zimmerman in 2010, called The Killer in the Pool. Uh, I should mention those sources. But 
in Blackfish, they showed this incident where this woman slipped into a pool and the killer whale immediately grabbed her, pulled her all around, almost drowned her, broke her arm. I mean, it's... I think, though, of the hundred, there were a lot that were, like, accidents, but it was because they had, like, really intricate shows that they were doing where just so many things could go wrong, and they were, like, having the whales fling them in the air, and, like, another whale would be coming at them from a different direction. Well, there's, like, one in Blackfish where you see the guy, like, riding the whale's dorsal fin, and then the one jumps up and lands on him. And it looks like an accident, but this expert comes in and says, you know, that's probably the killer. The orca knows what it's doing. You know, they recognize when a human's on someone. Sure. So it's more just the orca deciding to break off from this training routine. And for whatever reason, you know, that they can hurt a person. Do you think it's smart enough to know, like, they'll just think this was an accident if I body slam this guy? (laughs) Maybe. I don't know. That's a good question. Okay, so whatever the motivation, and this this has to do with what we're just talking about, some trainers believe that killer whales are aware of what they're doing. And this guy, Jeffrey Ventre, who was a trainer at SeaWorld from 1987 to 1995, and he's in Blackfish a bit, he says, I've seen animals put trainers in their mouths and know exactly what the breaking point of a rib cage is and how long to hold a trainer at the bottom before they're about to drown and they let them up. Dude. So they're pretty smart and they know what they're doing. So... Once again, Tillicum is in the situation in SeaWorld where he has a much better facility now. He's got this huge, great facility. Like, if you're going to have an orca in captivity, SeaWorld's probably the best place for them to be. But once again, he's in a situation where he's dealing with hostile females, particularly a dominant orca named Katrina. Are um, the females larger? They're not, but they're just, they can just be so aggressive that it's still, you know, like a submissive male might still have problems with them. That's how girls flirt sometimes, you know? Yeah. So this guy, Jeffrey Ventre, says Tilly was a good guy that got beat down a lot by women. So there's a lot of reasons he might be <laughs> unhappy. <laughs> so he's like the first incel, I guess. The first orca incel. Oh, man. So weird to think of that, like being talked about an orca. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> the, these trainers get a little wonky with their orcas, for sure. Okay, so John Jett who was a team leader for Tillicum, said sometimes he would suffer a beatdown bad enough to rake his skin and bloody him up, and he would have to be held out of shows until he healed. Jet had a term for the blood left streaming in the water. He called it skywriting. After a good thrashing from the other orcas, Tillicum might be off for days, splitting from his trainer to swim at high speed around the pool, acting agitated around the females, or opening his eyes wide and emitting distress vocals if they asked him to go into a vulnerable position. It's extremely sad if you think about being in Tillicum's situation, says Jet. The poor guy just had no place to run. That's how I felt growing up with you and Sai. <laughs> you had just no place like to you run. you would corner me anywhere in the house and <laughs> yeah, body well, slam me. It was good for you. Suplex me. Yeah. Down the stairs. Do you feel like Hang that? Hang on to your dorsal fin. Do you feel like you're going to act out someday now and kill some people <laughs> like Tillicum? If I do, it's your fault. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Okay, so uh, in 1999, Tillicum decided to remind the world that, at least when it came to humans, he could be a very dangerous animal. Early on the morning of July 6th, Michael Doherty, a physical trainer at SeaWorld, arrived at his office near the underwater viewing area of the G-Pool. He glanced through the viewing glass and saw Tillicum staring back, with what appeared to be two human feet hanging down his side. There was a nude body draped across Tillicum's back, and it wasn't moving. Tillicum was herded onto the medical lift in order for SeaWorld staff to retrieve the body. Rigor mortis had already set in, and it was a young male, and again the coroner 
coroner. coroner. Sorry. And again, <laughs> the coroner and sheriff's report were really telling because he had puncture wounds and multiple abrasions all over his face. Uh, that's one thing that I forgot to mention with the other attack. They ruled it a drowning, but like it was obviously a killer whale, you know? Like They didn't give it credit like the whale at first? They no, they they say it. it's a drowning, which it is. A lot of times that's how they kill him, but it's just kind of like, you know, that's yeah, like a bit of a stretch. It was drowned for yeah. It wasn't reason. the water, it yeah. was the water. Yeah. Dolphin, it, makes, it makes me think these coroners that are ruling him a drowning like have lifetime passes to SeaWorld <laughs> <laughs> given to <laughs> <Yeah>. the coroners. <laughs> coroners. Yeah, sorry. they're they're in good I, with yeah. uh, big orca. Jeff, that's the first time in the podcast you've been able to correct my pronunciation. Oh, it feels great. <laughs> so this victim his name was Daniel Dukes. He was a 27-year-old guy. He had a, like a reddish-blonde ponytail, scraggly beard, and a big red D that was tattooed above his left nipple. Uh, four days before that, he'd been released from jail. Um, and he, I guess for like theft or something, he wasn't like a violent criminal or anything. But on July 5th, he hid at SeaWorld. He stayed there past closing hours. and then, Or he maybe snuck in. They're not totally sure. At some point during the night, he stripped down to his swim trunks he left his clothes like neatly folded by the edge of the tank, and then he jumped in the killer whale pool. Some people think he was crazy. Some people think he was suicidal. We'll just never know. He maybe just believed that they were like friendly. Maybe he'd seen Free Willy too many times. Mm. But again, the coroner determined the case of death to be drowning. So again, who knows who's paying off these coroners? Tillicum just getting off easy again. Yeah. Good for him. So. Isn't it kind of weird that both people that have been drowned so far were, like, found naked? Yeah, and actually with the third one we're going to talk about, that happened as well. They strip them of their clothes. How do they even do that? They're really, even though they look like this really unwieldy big animal, they're really good with their mouths. Like, they can be really delicate and stuff, and so they can Sensual. truly just, like, peel their clothes off. Maybe. Yeah. Take maybe, their clothes off nice and <laughs> gently. And... Maybe the kid jumped in fully clothed until come folded the clothes. Well, a lot of times, <laughs> a lot of times serial killers fold up their victims' clothes yeah. because they're very particular and... I feel like I know way too much about these attacks to make these jokes. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I won't go down No, it's fine. Way. We're gonna get into some of this, the more details. So one of the sources that I was able to find were autopsy reports on both this guy and the third victim so maybe that's why i'm having a hard time okay with this, but it's fine so another thing that's kind of shady about this though is that SeaWorld claims they have no footage of it when really they have cameras all over that There's place no yeah. way yeah uh so they say it's not clear if tillicum actually held him underwater or if he drowned because of like hypothermia because they keep the water in these things pretty cold but that's not what happened i think we all know that he didn't yeah. die of hypothermia <laughs> The one clear thing is that he really did work Dukes over. This guy's last name was Dukes. They found abrasions and contusions, both pre-mortem and post-mortem, all over his head and body, puncture wounds on his left legs. His scrotum had been ripped open. Divers had to go to the bottom of the pool to retrieve little pieces of his body. So SeaWorld decided to ramp up their security, uh, and they posted a 24-hour watch at Shamu Stadium. Anyway, the main thing that we learned, though, is that Kelty yeah, no. scrub, yeah. <laughs> Kelty <laughs> had not, <laughs> it kind of was mine, too. Uh, Kelty, though, had not been an aberration. She wasn't like a one-off for Tillicum. He's at two kills now. Yeah, he's got two kills. He's going for the hat trick now. So now we're going to go to our third victim, who is Don, Don Brancho. <laughs> uh, she was one of SeaWorld's best and most liked trainers. She had been working there since 1994. She had a great love for animals. 
She even volunteered at a local shelter, and at home she had ducks and rabbits and chickens and stray birds, and she even met her husband, Scott, at the SeaWorld cafeteria. So it's really sad because you like you read about these people and you get to know them a little bit, and it seems like she was just really sweet and just absolutely loved her job. And, uh, you know, again, like if you're working with killer whales, you have to accept that there's a certain amount of risk, but still it sucks when people die from these kind of things. Um, and especially because a lot of the SeaWorld trainers say they didn't ever get information about how often people had actually been injured by their uh, orcas and stuff. There's like a lot wrong with the ethics of SeaWorld, mm-hmm. but it is like such a cool job to just like yeah. get launched in the air by totally. an orca. Well, a crazy thing too is that a lot of these people don't have, they're not like marine biologists. They're just really good swimmers and that's yeah. why they get hired. And a lot of these attacks happen before the internet is what it is now. And a lot of them just didn't this know. It's just like one kid goes back to school and is like, hey, this orca bit someone at SeaWorld when <laughs> yeah. I went. And everyone's like, no, it didn't. Right. Or it'll be on like page six of the newspaper or yeah. something. Anyway, so Dawn was one of the only trainers that worked with Tilikum. She had grown really comfortable with the large animal. And some people think she was maybe even getting a little too comfortable. Uh, so on February 4th, 2010, Dawn was working with the Dine with Shamu show, which takes place in a 1.6 million gallon pool. And it has this open air cafe that wraps around it. So visitors get to pay, that pay extra, come in there, they eat their lunch, and they get to watch this whole training thing with one of the killer whales. So Dawn was there. She was working with Tilikum. She was running alongside the decking. She was doing commands. Everyone was thrilled by everything that Tilikum was doing with Dawn. And around 1.30 p.m., the show ended. And the visitors started leaving, and Dawn started feeding Tilikum and giving him kind of these post-show treats. Like, she'd feed him herring. She'd splash him with water, which they really love. And then they have this shallow ledge that she laid down on, and the killer whale comes up to the shallow ledge, and she started stroking him and kind of, you know, giving him this positive interaction. And as she stroked him... Something they weren't really supposed to have was long hair, but she did. And her long hair floated out in front of Tilikum. So at the same time, guests were beginning to approach the huge underwater window below. Man, I'm really stumbling with my words today. You're saying a lot of words. Uh, Guests were beginning to approach the huge underwater window below. And they were allowed then to see Tilikum come swimming by this, this window. And Don would give them that command to do that. So the trainers down below were like telling Don to do that. And right when they did... Tilikum reached out, grabbed onto her hair, and started this game of -of tug-of-war with her. Dawn was immediately ripped into the water, and then Tilikum grabbed her by the shoulder and dragged her underwater in front of a few dozen stunned guests. A siren sounded, and a bunch of staff arrived to try and make things better, and they slapped the water and yelled commands at Tilikum. They even placed a large net to try and separate Tilikum from Dawn, but nothing was working. So the 123-pound Dawn breaks away from Tilikum, she gets to the surface where she screams for help, but he explodes from the water and slams down on her. She gets away. She tries it again, and this time he grabs her and starts pushing her with his nose like a toy. And then Tilikum then grabs Dawn by the foot, pulls her underwater, and starts shaking her violently. Trainers and the staff continued to try and separate him from Dawn, but after almost half an hour of trying to separate them, they can see that Dawn's no longer struggling. Tilikum finally releases Dawn's foot, and he grabs her by the arm. And he's guided onto this medical lift after, again, like 30, 40 minutes of them trying. And then he can be lifted out of water. And even when he's out of the water, he's refusing to let go of her arm. And they have to pry open his mouth to get him out. And when they do, like the top part of her arm falls off. And he swallows that part of her arm. 
her death was ruled death by drowning and blunt force trauma. Again, accurate. But yeah, accurate, not. but maybe you should put like also an orca that <laughs> has been abused its whole life killed her. Seems like Tilikum doesn't understand the rules of tug of war. <laughs> yeah, Tilikum. Ah, he uh, did pretty well. Well, he cheated. <laughs> you can't bite someone's arm off. Yeah. Well, so, can you? I don't know. I haven't played in a while. Again, I'm about to get into everything that happened to Don. <laughs> it's really bad timing, but that's fine. Okay, so Don had been completely scalped. Pieces of scalp with her hair attached were retrieved from the bottom of the pool. She had a broken jaw, lacerated ear, lacerations all over her face. She had a fractured vertebrae and sternum. She had broken ribs, lacerated liver. They found two cups of blood in her abdominal cavity. Uh, her upper left arm was completely consumed by Tilikum, with only the forearm below the elbow remaining, and her left knee was dislocated. The nice thing, kind of the one, I guess, comfort you can see in all of this, is that the, there was very little blood, so that makes experts think that her heart had stopped beating long before a lot of these injuries occurred, so she you know, had drowned long before. I thought you were going to say the audience got their money's worth. <laughs> <laughs> so after this attack, they decided Tilikum would no longer have any human interaction uh, up close. So Three they would strike these out. Yeah, they did like they would like spray him from a distance. They would clean his teeth with like an extendable pole. How sharp are their teeth? Because it sounded like she got pretty cut up. They're they're more like if they really want to bite into you, they do like puncture wounds. But if they're just like mouthing you, it'll it's not lose, like a like, shark. No, they leave like bruises. They're pretty dull but they're sharp, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, they're just so big that they're not, like, razor sharp. Well, they sharp. have, like, so much force that right. they can be sharp. Exactly. They're, like, pretty triangular, but not serrated and edged like a shark's teeth are. Got it. Okay, so, uh, they, yeah, they didn't do any more human interaction with him. He did total, in total, he sired 13 calves, which are found throughout marine parks all around the world. There was a lot of debate whether or not just to release him back into the wild after this, but those releases usually don't do well. Uh, Keiko, who's the orca that played free or played Willie in the movie Free Willy, there was a lot of public pressure to release him after that movie, and they did, and he died almost a year later from pneumonia. Oh. So they just once they've been separated from that family pod, they just really don't do well on so their it's own. Just like once they're in captivity, it's really hard to release them. Yeah, you can't really release them, um, or else they might just die a slow death. That's kind of crazy that Tilikum had fifteen kids. 13. 13, 13 yeah. because he was an aggressive orca. Yeah. So then, like, that's probably passed down to his offspring. Not necessarily, because they think this is, like, his aggression is because of how poorly he was treated at the beginning. He was kind of bullied. And by that he was bullied this whole time. Females. It's not necessarily, like, he was born aggressive. Okay. And a lot of the people that worked with him actually thought he was really sweet. It's just that he had, he had essentially a mental illness at that point. So a lot of his offspring have done great in captivity and they're like oh, really beloved in the parks that they're in. Anyway, he died in 2017 at the age of 36. At SeaWorld? Uh, yeah. As of August 2019, there are still 60 orcas in captivity around the world. About half of those were captured in the wild. Could you still see him at SeaWorld? Would he still do anything? Yeah, I he think... He still, like, splash people So the attack something? happened in 2010, and I think in 2011 is when he was placed back in, like, the shows. But again, no one was physically interacting with him. No one was touching him or, like, doing that kind of stuff with Tilikum anymore. Other than being a set piece for these shows, is there any legitimate reason to put orcas into captivity yeah so that's actually exactly what i was about to go back into so blackfish came out 
and people really it really resonated with a lot of people and it really put a lot of pressure on SeaWorld. And I was working with polar bears at the time and I had gotten money from SeaWorld to do like some of the work that I was doing. And I knew a lot of the behind the scenes at SeaWorld and how much money they put into conservation and into rescue. So I was really torn. So I kind of put together a quick list of pros and cons sure. of this whole thing. I think the benefits of having orcas in captivity is that they've learned a lot about orca biology that way. Um, they learned how long their gestation period is and a few other things that are pretty critical if you're setting a program to protect them in the wild. They do really inspire people to care about the animal. Like if you go to one of those shows and you see an orca, it's just like, wow, this is the most beautiful animal I've ever seen and it's magnificent. And you, you do care about them. Like that's a big benefit to zoos and aquariums is just learning to care about something. And then, as I mentioned, they raise a ton of money for conservation and sea life rescue. The cons, orcas are really social and intelligent, like we said. Separating them from their family is probably morally wrong. You know, I don't, I don't condone any kind of like harvesting animals from the wild for these kind of things. These ones that are born in captivity, I think, is more of a gray area. But it's, I think the practice of going out and catching orcas in the wild should be done. There shouldn't, that shouldn't be happening. And unfortunately, it still is in other places, not in the U.S. anymore. Another con, I just, like, personally, I think they're way too large to be in captivity. They're just too big. You can't build a tank that's big enough. You go to, like, the zoo and you see, like, a polar bear or something. They can kind of craft an exhibit that somewhat resembles you know, where you'd find them in the wild. You can't really do that with a marine environment that big. What about the whale sharks in the Atlanta Aquarium? I'm not a fan of that either. I just think they're too big and they're just swimming in circles their whole lives. And another con is obviously like they can harm people. They're they're potentially a harmful animal. So I do think if you're going to keep them in captivity, you shouldn't have people in the water interacting with them. There's plenty of ways to keep them entertained and, you know, progressing with their kind of intelligence without putting people in there riding on their backs and stuff. So it kind of boils down to how you feel about it. Personally, I'm not as anti having animals in zoos and aquariums as you might think. And even with orcas, I don't, I think they're too big. I don't think they necessarily should be in there, but I think there's much bigger fish to fry at the same time. There's 60 orcas in captivity, which sucks. And I think it's, you know, it sucks that they're in captivity, but at the same time, there's like 12,000 Asiatic black bears that live in cages that are just as big as their bodies and they're being milked for their bile. You know, there's much worse things happening to animals out there. The problem is they're not the stars of free willy or they're not animals that are so beloved, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Again, there, at least when you have an animal like that in captivity, there are some benefits. SeaWorld makes billions of dollars and some of that money does go towards some really great things. There are other, like, we're killing a hundred million sharks a year. You know, there's no benefit to that aside from like their delicacy to some people, you know? So I just think, I think that you, you have this problem with whales and dolphins and these animals that people just love where they get, they get a lot of attention. I think it's great for them. And I think it's great that we're stopping some of these cruel practices, but I really think there's other animals that need a little bit more attention. That sounds calloused. No, but I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. But if that's your fight to fight, if like you're out there and you just are uh, the number one fan of orcas and you hate having them in captivity, I say, you know, fight on, do your thing, make it better for them. Blackfish did a lot to like change that whole industry and no longer is SeaWorld 
they're ending their practice of having orcas. They're never getting any more orcas. The ones they have now are their last orcas they're going to have. So, and and Blackfish did that. Yeah. So I think that's a good thing. I think, I think you can still bring in visitors without having to abuse an animal for decades. Right. Okay. So a little bit more about orcas that I learned that's pretty interesting. We are autonomously breathing. Like we don't have to think about breathing and that's why we can sleep and go unconscious. They don't do that. They have to breathe. They are consciously breathing when they come up to the surface. So to sleep, uh, they only allow half of their brain to sleep at a time. So they'll go up to the surface and their left half of their brain will turn off and their left eye will close and they'll slowly swim on the Whoa. surface and then they'll let the right half turn off and their right eye will close. <laughs> That's super so they're weird. still moving and they're still like half awake, but they're allowing half of their brain to sleep at a time. That's really cool. There's a few other animals that do that. I think ducks do that. There's a few. You can use their distinctive white patches to distinguish between individuals. That's how biologists tell them apart. It's unknown how many orcas are in the wild, but experts think there's probably around 50,000, which really isn't that many considering they live in every ocean on the planet. Some orca populations like the southern resident orcas of Washington and British Columbia are quickly dying out. And we'll talk a little bit about that when we get to our categories. Okay, a little basic thing about what to do if you see them in the wild. Again, they don't attack people, so you don't have, we don't really have to go into like what you do if you're attacked necessarily in the wild. But if you do see orcas in the wild, at least in the U.S., legally, you're not allowed to approach them within 200 meters. If you're swimming and you see one, you're supposed to try and get out of the water. If you do see them, when you're within 100 meters, you have to put your engine in neutral. And then if they decide to come up and approach you, they can. But you're not supposed to, like, touch them or interact with them in any way. So sometimes you'll see those, like, viral videos of people where an orca comes up right by their canoe or whatever. That's fine. It's just you can't see them and then, like, paddle over to them and, like, harass them. That's against the rules. Okay. Questions about orcas? Yeah. So it was telecom about uh, the average size and age for an orca, or was the captivity kind of shortened and stunted that, the growth and the age? Average size, yes. Something that does happen to them in captivity is their dorsal fin folds over, which is, like, a, a physiological thing that only happens really to captive ones. So he was, like, a pretty average size. What he wasn't was average age. They do survive longer in the wild. And that's actually something like when you go to these marine parks, they say the opposite. They say they do better in captivity, and that's not true. They survive longer in the wild. How long? What's like the difference? Their lifespan is pretty similar to humans. Females can live like 60 to 70 years, and males live, or I think like 70 to 80 years, and males live like 50 to 60 years. Hmm. So a little bit less than us, but somewhat similar. Um, In captivity, it's like, 20 years less for both of them. Uh, yeah, it's kind of a somber story because no one really wins, you know? Yeah. You got an orca that has like a pretty terrible life and then you got a few people that were unlucky enough to be a, a plaything for that orca, really. Yeah, it's, it's awful. Yeah, and again, like we, we're pretty jokey on here, but obviously it's like a tragedy whenever anyone dies. And so, you know, our hearts go out to whoever might know these people that ended up on the wrong side of, of Tilicom. Okay, categories. We ready for categories? Yeah, let's do it. Let's okay. get into it. So our first category is our favorite orca from pop culture. Who wants to go first? I can go f- first. Okay. I'm going just standard free willy. Yeah. Uh, who's the actor in it? Was it Joseph Gordon-Levitt? I don't think so. I, I think it was, it was just like... Was it Elijah Wood? So not Elijah He's really? a really famous actor. Yeah. Oh, I don't it's remember like one that. one of their favorite movies. Huh. You want IMDb? Uh, yeah, I'll quick? look it up. I was reading something. He like actually... 
they did that jump over a kid. Really? The orchid, like, jumped over I, a kid. I've and... never considered that that wouldn't be CG, but that was so long ago. Yeah. And it does look really realistic. It's so. such a cool shot. Yeah. Uh, so I was right. It's like, an, uh, I think it was like a one and done actor. Oh, was it? Shoot. Okay. Yeah, his name is, well, sorry if you're out there and I called you a one and done. Jason James Richter. I wonder why I thought he's that. in He's in some other movies, but I think that was, like, his big one. And I knew that because I saw that movie... A billion times. <laughs> Maybe I'm thinking of Free Willy too. He Elijah might be in one I of the other ones. I swear he's in or no Flipper. He's in Flipper. He's in Flipper. Yeah, that's where you're that's thinking. That's my of. bad. Yeah, uh, that's not my pick. Flipper yeah. was not Norca. No, Dolphin. Same family. Yeah, there you go. They um, probably potted together, yeah. just like we're doing. <laughs> they they don't do that. <laughs> Podcasting. <laughs> uh, Mike, what's your answer? Uh, so whenever when all else fails. You know there's a Pokemon <laughs> designed yeah. after any kind of type of animal. And there is an orca. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce his name, but he looks super cool. It's either Kyogre or Kyogre. Okay. It's this big blue flying orca thing. Cool. There you go. And that's All mine. Right. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Yeah. <laughs> um, mine actually was the same as Jeff's. I, I would love to say it was different and have another one to introduce, but it was the orca from Free Will. It was Keiko, so... I felt like I should have thought of more than I did. Like it seems like a I, popular logo. I, but I looked can't them really up and I couldn't think yeah. of any. The Keiko one was hard for me because it's such a tragic story. Like to be released and then die alone mm. from like the cold. It's pretty sad. Yeah, I don't know. The saddest part in the movie was when the kid ran. He was running away and he stepped on a birthday cake and just ruined it. <laughs> I don't remember that. I probably should. <laughs> From Free Willy? Yeah. I gotta watch that movie. Yeah. And I, I don't remember that. I remember he like that is was sad, like graf- doing graffiti on that. That's the same scene and oh, okay. he's running away, steps in the cake. cake. There's <laughs> just a cake on it? Okay, whatever. Yeah. I'll watch it later and we can talk about it. Jeff wishes it had ice cream with it. I so bad. <laughs> it's okay. two desserts. <laughs> Mike, do you want to do our cage match category? Yeah, so cage match, this one's pretty obvious. Uh, what we do here on this category is we talk about all of the animals that we've spoken about thus far on the podcast and how the animal of this episode would stack up against them in a controlled or contained cage match fight environment. Obviously, uh, the orca sounds like the grand champion of all time. Yeah. Unless we're talking about the Predator, apparently. <laughs> we haven't done the Predator yeah. yet. Once but... our Predator episode comes out, then we'll knock him down a peg. But Yeah, they're really, like, they're the alpha Predator on Earth. There's just nothing that, even like a polar bear, if it saw an orca in, like, a open hole or something, I don't think they would try. And they kill, like, there's been reports of them killing, like, moose when they're swimming across the water. As we mentioned, they can kill blue whale. Like, there's just not That's insane. anything. They'll attack sperm whales sometimes, which are the other really big toothed. Well, they're a whale. They're an actual whale. But they have big teeth. And they're just, there's just nothing. There's nothing out there that, that beats them. So this is our grand champ. This is our champ. Yeah. Unless you count people, but we're not counting people. And they can so. kill people, too. They it's can. on the record. Yeah, yeah we yeah, three talked times. about it. Yep. Um, okay, so our next category is what would Mike and Jeff do? So for this one today, we're going to do like, what would you guys do if you were a trainer and you fell into one of these situations where you were being attacked by a trained killer whale? Right. So I remember, well, I just recently watched Blackfish and there was like a moment where it missed a move and went for its 
fish and she didn't give him any fish. And then like she was running low on fish and didn't give him the normal amount. Okay. So I'd just give him a ton of fish all the time. Just get him real happy on fish. No, like honestly, it's just tough. Like I'm sure she was just an amazing trainer. Pretty much just Made one mistake. I would make peace with myself that the way I die might be a killer will yeah. if I was in her position. <laughs> I think that's uh, good. Yeah. Well, Mike, do you want to answer? Well, I don't have long hair, so it wouldn't have gotten me that way. That's but actually had it dragged me into the tub or the pool, whatever the what tank. Do you call it? Yeah, pool. Tank. Pool, sure. tank, whatever. Um, it seems like maybe a good move would be to stay away from the sides of the tank because it probably batters the people... You know, when it gets them, I guess you don't really have a control over the situation, but I think I think you guys are kind of hinting on something like a bigger thing with this is just there's not really they're so big. There's just not much you can do in their mouth. You're like, it's going to decide what you do. Right. And so like Jeff's I think Jeff's is good where he just said he would feed it a ton because I think, yeah, if you're dealing with like a really happy, well-fed orca, that's much better than one that's like pissed at you. But as far as, I mean, most of them are killed by drowning, you know, not so much by them, like, battering them against something. So no. I just think your main thing is just staying out of out of trouble, which is probably the easiest way to do that is not be an orca trainer. In, in Blackfish, there was a trainer who had gotten, like, pulled down a bunch of times. Yeah. And he just went limp. Yeah, he stayed weighed, really calm. He stayed super calm and then like it would let him go mm-hmm. and then it grabbed him again and he'd like catch his breath yeah and it, it like munched his ankles and stuff like his feet were all broken but like he um they they think the reason he probably survived is because of how calm he stayed and like when you're thrashing around and stuff it's like you're an interactive toy with it you know and it's suddenly like oh the more i play with this thing the more it thrashes i think i could stay calm up until like he took me all the oh. way down, and there yeah. was just, like, pressure all around. Right, and he was down for, like, a minute and a half at a time and stuff. And we've talked about this yeah. before. Like, if you're holding your breath for a minute and a half, that's not – we can do it. Like, I've held my breath that long. But if you're being held under, you, it's so hard to hold your breath. Yeah. Like, after five seconds, you're going crazy. So it's really impressive, that, that video. And we should mention – we didn't really want to watch Blackfish, and our mom really pushed us to do it. <laughs> she so made us watch thanks, it. mom. Um, so train for being able to hold your breath for a long time and get good. into yeah. like mindfulness meditation. Yeah, to stay we, calm. We've shouted there out mom like every. Podcast yeah, mom just is gonna have to be on the podcast one of these days. Uh, so one thing that you brought up, Mike, that I want to bring up is their name. The whole killer whale moniker for orcas was given to them by whalers a long time ago. It's because they would attack like injured whales and stuff. It's not so much that people feared them because they really hadn't ever attacked people. They're really not. I mean, they're just a big dolphin. Like if they were called black and white dolphins, people would be like, oh, you know, no one would be submitting like, hey, you guys need to do killer whales or whatever, because a big part of the reason we're afraid of them is their name, killer whale. Um, Anyway. That's a little bit about what you guys would do. I think you guys aren't far off in the fact that there's really nothing you can do. Okay. Killer whales is a cool name. It is a cool yeah. name. And um, it's not, I mean, in the wild, it's not far from the truth if you're prey for them. They're really good at getting prey. From the perspective of a seal, it's spot on. Yeah. A cool, <laughs> yeah. A cool thing that I learned, though, is like a human can be in a group of seals. Like there's been people swimming with seals where a killer whale comes in and kills a seal and it bypasses the human. Like they know their prey. Wow. 
they don't confuse us for prey and they don't attack us. Okay, let's get to some listener questions. All right, listener questions. So, Wes, you're going to mm-hmm. start us off okay. from Aliyah Grace. Wes, what's your favorite thing about being a wildlife biologist, a grad student needing motivation? Uh, yeah, you know, my favorite thing is doing field work, and I've been lucky to do a lot of field work. Uh, regardless of what species it is, I love being out in the field and doing like captures and stuff. I do think if you're thinking about getting into wildlife biology, you should be prepared to be in the office a lot. Most, mostly you're in the office. I've been really lucky to do the amount of field work I've done. And one other thing is the further, the more education you get, like if you're a PhD or whatever, the more time you're going to spend in the office. So if you're really just interested in like handling animals and everything, you might want to look into working in zoos, like being a zookeeper or just being like a tech. Sea world orca trainer. Yeah, be an orca trainer. <laughs> You'll get plenty of handling. <laughs> All right. So from Mickle Picks, what's the worst animal-related injury any of you has sustained? And actually, I'm going to combine this one with Lisa Draws asking worst injury from a pet. Okay. Um, my worst animal injury. Mike, do you want to go first? I gotta sure. Think for a I, so as far as pets go, I've actually never really had a bad experience with a pet. But we did have a German Shepherd. We always have a German Shepherd somewhere around. That's just kind of how our family operates. Uh, when I was really little, it uh, it nipped at one of my friend's faces and got her pretty good across the cheek really? and the nose. And we had to get rid of it. Mm. Lieben was its name. Forever missed. Yeah. Really sad. But understandable, too, because it, it did show some signs of aggression. And, you know, with German Shepherds, like sometimes you can't. Yeah, till yeah. Uh mine oh sorry, did you have more? No. Okay. Mine, as far as pets go, would just be like some of the snakes I've caught had bit me pretty good. I bled a lot. As far as any animal, I fell out of a tree once when I was trying to sedate a black bear and I broke my ankle. So it's not necessarily the bear that did it, but it was while I was like working with it. So what I'm gonna about, count that. What about that time you like fell off a horse? Uh yeah, I've fallen off some horses too. <laughs> yeah. Uh yeah, mine, mine's an ankle injury too. I was walking to a fishing spot and I, I got close to like some baby grouse and the mom came out and just scared the hell out of me and I like stumbled and just Twisted tweaked ankle. my ankle a little I didn't, bit. I don't think I knew about that. Yeah. It wasn't a bad injury. No, but that's pretty catch, funny. But, like, I, I catch and release on that I don't part. have a good, yeah, I don't have like a big injury ever. I got... Me and Wes rode a steer or a bull once, yeah. and I got kicked in the leg by it. Yeah, but it wasn't like a and I got injury. kicked in the nuts, but not that hard. I <laughs> fell off and kind of tweaked my neck from a uh, mechanical bull. That doesn't oh, count. That's a good one. That yeah. counts for you, <laughs> but not for anyone else. <laughs> All right, from Ashley Gooby. God, sure. <laughs> if you could have a miniature of a wild animal as a pet, which would it be and why? Wait, a miniature version of any animal? Yeah. Huh. So, like, any animal, and it's, like, a foot or two big. Jeff, what would you pick? Um, oh, man, baby hippos are cute. Just, like, if Just it's always hippo. a little hippo. So, it, how many are we talking? Like, I'm saying, like, Like, fits in your pocket? Two. Like, okay, so it's, like, dog-sized or cat-sized. Yeah. Let's say cat-sized, just to make this easy. Yeah. Okay. okay. I like that. Um, you're picking a hippo? Yeah. 
Or no, I'm picking an elephant. An elephant. That's a, That's good, a good pick. I was, I was thinking say about something elephant. similar with a rhino. I thought that'd be kind of cute to see him like headbutt and stuff. Because there's a lot of those. There's a lot of animals that my mind goes to, but like we have them. Like I was like, oh, a yeah. tiger, and it's like, well, just get a house cat. Yeah, you know? true. Yeah. Or like, there's a lot of those things out there. So I'm gonna say an orangutan. <laughs> little mini yeah. orangutan yeah that'd be kind of fun i think it'd be pretty cute and it could swing all over and do like pretty I fun thought stuff gorilla but orangutan's good too yeah all right from ross colligan what's the coolest thing you've ever done like ever and your favorite beverage just cuz okay <laughs> that's a hard one to answer the coolest thing i've ever done i can start us off okay mine's like Something I don't like tell everyone, but standing on that whale shark, standing on that whale shark. I so I snorkeling with whale sharks with Wes and Mike in Mexico and our cousin Brent, and I was like snorkeling above one, and it like surfaced like with me right above it. So like I ended up essentially like laying on it, and it just didn't care at all that I was there. So then like. I decided just to like stand up and I stood on it and waved at you guys. Yeah. For all of those of you out there listening to this, it's a good story. But a disclaimer, if you're ever with whale sharks in the wild, you're not allowed to touch them. This one touched Jeff. Yeah. But don't ever purposely. Jeff just took advantage of the opportunity presented. Yeah. And I don't ever. Everyone is as quick witted as him if they ever have a similar encounter. Don't ever purposely put yourself in that situation. Porposely. Porposely. Because whale (laughs) Whale sharks sharks are a fish. They're a shark. But it was pretty cool, right? Yeah, it was cool. That is cool. Um, Mine would probably, you know, I've been really lucky to have some really cool experiences. One, I just remember one night I was working on my polar bear project. And I was like, it was nighttime and I was snowmobiling across the frozen Arctic Ocean to a polar bear den. And like the northern lights were dancing in the sky. And it was like just such a one of those like moments where you're just like, man, this is so cool. And I think about it all the time. So that that's up there for me. Just like I've done some cool stuff, but that was just one of those days where it was like, man, this is like my life's pretty cool right now. Mike, I'll go with hot cocoa. Just drinking some hot cocoa. Yeah. My favorite beverage. Oh, got it. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. I mean, I figured you guys took care of that. I didn't have a cooler story than you. So yeah. I, yeah. I figured I'd address. You swam with the whale sharks. That's still cool. I did it's actually. just as cool. Yeah. True. Uh, one, one more that's Apple not an arch. animal thing is I did that arch swing at arches. Oh, yeah. Where Corona you like, arch. jump off a cliff and swing through the arch. Yeah. That's I felt pretty, pretty cool. cool after doing that. Yeah. All right. From Sonia Sallet. Did Wes and Jeff get along growing up, Mike? <laughs> I mean, as of 10 years ago, yeah. They're, let me tight as tigers. Let me, you know, I'll field that one. Uh, a little bit about Jeff growing up. Jeff was pretty sensitive for Yay. his first, like, probably 15 years of life. And we actually got along pretty well. Like, to begin with, we did lots. Like, I always played with you doing, like, pretend animal games and stuff. And then you got pretty, like, emotional and sensitive. We did good from, like, one to six. Yeah. And then, like. Six to, like, 16 was hard. Yeah, like, 17 to now. Yeah. We did pretty well. And now we're doing great, I think. But, like, from, like, 
me being seven to like sixteen, I just didn't get along with anyone. You're pretty insufferable. I was on I was on like some medications that just made me yeah. cry whenever I was teased. It makes me stuff. pretty sad now, but I don't blame you. Okay. I was I was a hard kid to get along with. All right. Anyway. All right. One more. Favorite national parks. Mine's Glacier. But let's like name a couple. Glacier, Yellowstone, Bryce, Capitol Reef are some of my favorites. Okay. I'm yeah, go ahead, Mike. Is the Oki Finoki? I don't know. That? It might be. Well, well she that's also my said answer, orb right. parks that you want to visit. You can do oh, and this Okinoki. is from Maya Corona. Okay. I know that like song. Maya Corona. Maya Corona. Yeah. No, the Oki Finoki is sweet. My uh, Sharona. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got to hold a, a little baby alligator. And that yeah. was the highlight of my entire time yeah. I yeah, spent that's when in you're, Georgia. That's when your whole weird I peaked. fetish with alligators yeah. started. <laughs> I looked into the its origin story. deep black dead <laughs> eyes and I felt a connection because, you know, a real connection. So yeah, I'd say Glacier, Yellowstone, that one in Kodiak, Alaska, I always forget the name. Is there one on Kodiak? You're thinking yeah. of Katmai. Katmai. Katmai's not on Kodiak. It's on the mainland. The one we flew to? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh... That place in Hyder where we watch grizzly bears. That's that's Not like a nice, state yeah, park or something. Yeah. But and then in Utah I really love Zion. I love Bryce. Um Jeff's oh, Yosemite's Yo- <laughs> cool. If you ever ask Jeff Yosemite. for a favorite, get ready for at least five or six options. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, that does it for listening. Okay. So well, let me thing. butt in real quick. Wait. Oh, I, let me butt in first. Oh, right. I'll, you butt. Yeah. And I'll butt. So we do on Instagram. We do like the little listener question sticker, and that's the main way that we harvest listener questions. And that's like if you guys want to submit them when we do that, we'll try and give you guys a warning. But that's how we get them. Every once in a while, people send them in direct messages. It's really hard to keep track of those, so it's not necessarily like the best way to get them to us. But I do have one that I remembered that I already know the answer to, but I wanted to say it because we all are fans of this movie. What's the, and this is from Emily Wright, Emily M. Wright. What's the best SNL skit turned movie? Let's do, let's say it on the count of three. One, two, three. Wayne Gruber. Oh, what? Okay. What I'm were you going to say? I said Wayne's World, but. Oh, Wayne's World is. McGruber is. McGruber's so funny. It's close between those two. I just, for some reason, McGruber. Wayne's World is really, mind. really good. Okay. Anyways, that's. So the, the question sticker in our story is the best way to get us questions. If you really have one you want to send to us, send it in a DM. We'll try to remember it. Sometimes it's hard to keep those straight. Mike. Dude. Oh, uh, Tillicum totally got a turkey like McGruber and McGruber <laughs> move. Not quite the same. But, yeah. uh, so there actually is one other way for you guys to get us questions. The best way. The perhaps. best way. But we ask questions, uh, ask for questions over our Patreon account. And uh, we have one here right now from Farwa, who's actually a member of our bear tier, which is kind of our middle section. Gri- our grizzly tier. Grizzly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and she's getting a little biblical on us now. Okay. She asks, can a human survive in the stomach of a whale if swallowed whole? And if so, for how long? Uh, I, I think they could, but I think it would be pretty short. I don't know exactly like how long. Like a blue whale. Like, I don't know if there's air in there. I think the main thing is just that you would drown, but I'm not because, sure. Because, like, like whales aren't on the surface that long right no like they go down but i imagine they still have air in there even when they go under 
Mm. But I'm not sure. I mean, I know you could. I think there'd be, it's not like you would instantly die when you're consumed if you were swallowed whole. But I don't think you would last very long. There'd probably be like little fish in there to munch on. Yeah. I think, I think Max, you're surviving like half hour. If you had, if you were like a scuba diver, that's you my last guess. As well, I think even without air, air I bet you might have some air in there for like half hour. You think you could like go to the light from the blowhole to like see what you're doing? <laughs> just climb out of the blowhole. Imagine you just see a whale out there st- and you see someone climb <laughs> out of. Like, no, I'm saying to like see inside of it. Will there be light coming through the uh, blowhole? I don't think. I don't you think can. the blowhole's <laughs> connected to the stomach. To the stomach, it definitely <laughs> is. I'm no whale biologist. Yeah, but. it's definitely not. Um, <laughs> Well, that's where they get rid of all their waste. <laughs> no, their that's where stomach. they poop from? Yeah, that's not, they just shoot it out. That's oh, wow. not true, everyone. <laughs> you learn something new. Uh, yeah, so we don't know, but that's a great question, Farwa. Uh, thank you yeah. for your questions. Also, thanks to uh, Clementine, Liddy, Hillary, and Stephanie, who are some of our other Patreon subscribers. Our newest um, members of Patreon. Yeah. <laughs> we love you guys. Uh, a little bit of business. We are going to be... Um, recording a Patreon exclusive mini episode that's going to be a really good one. So if you guys want those mini episodes, sign up for our Patreon. Uh, the Grizzly tier is where you start getting access to the mini episodes. Okay, couple more quick categories. How are we messing things up for orcas and where can we see them in the wild? One of the big ways we're messing things up for them is by removing a lot of their food sources. Salmon have been really overexploited in a lot of places where orcas live and eat salmon. So, for example, those southern resident orcas, they just really don't have the salmon they need to survive anymore. Um, So that's a big way we're messing things up. Uh, Plastic pollution and other kinds of pollution are a big problem for them. Noise, like even like sonar from military vessels and stuff can be a really big problem for them. Um, Whaling still happens in some places in the world where orcas are killed. And then also putting them into captivity and stuff is a big problem for them. Does global warming affect them? Uh, it does in that it changes kind of where their food sources are found. So like global warming affects salmon. It affects everything. Seals? Uh, it does, yeah. I mean, global warming truly affects pretty much every species on yeah. Earth. I guess um, my question should have been how does it affect One them? thing that it is doing is it's opening up some new opportunities for them in the Arctic, um, but they don't really belong in some of those ecosystems. So it's really messing everything up. Um but yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of ways we're messing things up for orcas. Is uh, people putting corks in their blowholes a way we're messing things up? I don't up think them? so, but it could be. There could be some people out there doing. <laughs> okay, where to see them in the wild? Like the San Juan Islands in in Washington are a great place to see them in the wild. There's some fjords in Norway where there's resident whales or killer whales where you'll see them like almost every time you go out there. Uh, there's a lot of places. The only places I've ever I the only place I've ever seen them is actually in uh, the Gulf of Mexico. No, sorry, not the Gulf of Mexico. Um, the Sea of Cortez. Me and Jeff briefly saw some when we were on our oh, kayaks. I'm not claiming that. Okay, I'm gonna claim it. Um, I, I I couldn't confirm that it is in order. Okay, I'm gonna confirm it. Wes, is, a, Wes has extra sensory power. Well, though. let me say why I why because really for a little while I thought they might be what are called false killer whales, which are a smaller member of the dolphin family. I actually saw some of those this year. Their dorsal fins are much smaller. They have the kind of the same shape as a killer whale, but they're much smaller. And the ones me and Jeff saw had really tall dorsal fins. So I'm going to say it was an orca. Okay. It's fine. We if saw you them from a distance. And for a moment. It was yeah. for like maybe three seconds. Yeah. But I'm going to count it. Um, and they are in that area and they see them pretty commonly there. Okay. Uh, 
as far as other places, there's lots of places to see them. Just kind of look where you're at and hopefully you'll get lucky enough. Alaska is a great place too. We're probably running over time, but our last category, do we like this animal? I love orcas. I like they're whenever I go out on the ocean, they're like top of the list of up there, really top of the list of the animals I want to see. So I really, really like them a lot. How about like as far as marine animals go? I'm going to put like a lot of sharks above them and but it's, and maybe like a couple of the whales, but they're pretty, I would say they're top 10. Well, they're not a whale. Oh, but yeah. Right. They're probably your favorite type of dolphin. Yeah, they are. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They're my, my favorite type of dolphin. I'd put them behind like a whale shark, probably behind a great white. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go with 24. Okay. All right. No, that sounds right. For marine animals or total? Total. Okay. Well, I like them high. a lot. Yeah. I think yeah. they're really cool looking. I'd love to see more than just like a distant blob. Glimpse. And like, <laughs> sure. Actually it's more than a blob. <laughs> you can see their fins going in and out of the water. Uh, so for how I do this uh, is I only am ranking them by the animals we've talked about on the podcast so far. Okay. Um. And I am putting them in second place. Wow. Bumping great whites down to third place. Tigers are still my number one. And orcas are number two. And alligators are four. Yeah. Okay. Alligators are slipping a little. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, guys. Again, uh, remember, we have our Patreon up. There's a few different levels on there. If you, like, aren't able to support us, that's totally fine. We're still going to release all our episodes, our main episodes for free. But there's some great extra content and merch on there for those those of you that can't afford to support us on Patreon. Uh, and thanks again for all the reviews, for ratings, for everything you guys are Following doing. Following us on Instagram. Us. Yeah, we really appreciate it. Uh, and we'll be back soon. Our Right now our schedule is looking like we'll be doing a main episode every two weeks and a mini episode every week in between. So if you're looking for weekly content, get on that Patreon If not, it's going to be every other week for the most part. All right. We done? We're done. Let's high five. One, two, three. Thanks, guys. See ya. Whether you're in a relationship, single, or recently heartbroken, you could be navigating some tough stuff. And it really can be challenging to do this on your own. We all need help when it comes to our relationships, very specifically, our love lives. I'm Jillian, and each week on my podcast, Jillian on Love, I share skills on how to strengthen our relationships, how to build a stronger sense of self, and how to heal heartbreak and choose better partners. Learn how to start making change today and search for Jillian on Love wherever you're listening now.